Well, I can't tell you who's in the best shape of their life, but I can tell you who's not in the best shape of their life. You're listening to the Selfie is Godcast with Zach Meisel and TJ Zupi. Fly ball, deep right field. Back is Spencer at the one and two against the wall. Subscribe to Selby is Godcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Unbelievable. It's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. You always are. <laughs> what is up, everybody? It's good to see you. Good to see you too, Zach. Most of all, I'm happy to be back with our listeners who might have missed us for a couple of weeks on our free episodes and aren't partaking in the Patreon. So we are back. It is the Selbius Godcast. I'm TJ. That's Zach. And I am so absolutely pumped up. I don't think I could be any more excited than I am in this very moment. Can you tell? Why Why is that? What was it? Yesterday, I, I texted you that I needed you to give me something. You're out now in Arizona. I needed something... Give me some important headlines that we need to discuss on the show. And I think your text back to me, boy, if this doesn't sell how important this show is going to be, I don't know what will. <laughs> I think your text back to me said something to the effect of it wouldn't even register a three out of 10. Mm-hmm. But I say no. It has been an offseason, a fun one, and we have kicked a lot around a lot of topics, but the offseason is done. And I'm enthused because I don't care if it's a three out of 10 on your scale. To me, it's nine out of 10 because we have headlines from things that are actually happening in spring training. If that's not the best thing you've ever heard, I don't know what is. <laughs> so I just thought of an idea. Oh God. That's going to completely derail all the planning you did. <laughs> okay. But what if, what if I just list an observation that I've had at okay. camp and you try to take that and turn it into a nine out of 10. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know what? I would be down with that. I would be right. down with that. I mean, I mean, I think you might be out there in Arizona thinking this isn't a big deal, but I'll tell you what, for me sitting back here for fans that are listening, that are craving baseball content, it's inevitable. The first video that Mandy Bell sends out, because she's queen of getting that photo, video, she, she's, she's got that all covered. It's all, you go straight to the mentions. One of the first things that people are, gonna, people are going to say, there's the crack of the bat. It's as simple as that. All you want is just the crack of the bat. And come on, man, we're not there with you. I need some sort of glimpse into what's taking place in Goodyear. It also means this is like the... 13th consecutive spring training where I'm kicking myself for not investing in a nice camera. Um, but you wouldn't even know I, what I th- to do with it. <laughs> I know I'm, I'm standing there with my phone zooming in until it says like <laughs> 7.5 times and you can't even, can't even tell what you're looking at. <laughs> um, a couple things. One, it's not just the fans who are excited and have been waiting for this moment and it's refreshing to see baseball baseball content back on the timeline or whatever uh it's the players too i mean first of all most of them have been here if not since like december 
then for a couple of weeks. But even when the, the last few stragglers arrived this week and everybody beat the deadline, the report date, like I think the official one, I, there, there were a bunch of different ones because it depended on if you're a pitcher or a catcher, it depended on if you're participating in the WBC. Point is, everybody got here at least a day earlier than they needed to. And you just see guys come in like Quan and Straw or some of the last guys in here and they walk in the room for the first time and there's 15 hugs to dole out. Everyone's joking around and um, it speaks to how close-knit this team is, how young this team is. And I think when you are that age and you went through what they went through last year, there's a lot of eagerness to get it going again. So it's not just you and everybody else listening who's having those thoughts. It's it's these guys too. And you get out onto the field and you're taking live BP and you hear that banter, straw talking crap to everybody. And um, so it, it, it's fun. It's just, it's, it's a relaxed environment. And, you know, there are some, we say it all the time. It's like, how can you be in a bad mood if you're a baseball fan in February, right? If, if you're in a bad mood about your team already, man, that's going to be a long year for you. I understand if your team's headed for 100 losses and it's July and you're like, oh my God, I have to spend another three hours watching this crap tonight. <laughs> but right now, no matter who you root for, it's all good. It's all rosy. And there are reasons to to get excited. Well, that's assuming that you're going to be able to watch your team when the season <laughs> actually happens. We'll, we'll get to some of that coming up in the show. Okay, I will take your challenge, though. You're going to give me a very small nugget here that I'm going to blow up into being the biggest thing ever. Are you ready? Better get ready. You, get, you better defend this. You just said that Stephen Kwan was among the last to show up. And I tell you, I think this dude's too full of himself. Hmm. think he's just figuring he's got it all set. He's got it all figured out. First, he takes the offseason to do nothing. He admitted he was a couch potato did nothing for weeks. Now he's showing up to spring training late. Is there trouble ahead for Stephen Kwan? Can we expect regression, the sophomore slump to come for Kwan? Because he's not taking this seriously. 216-578. Okay, I'm sorry. Kind of blacked out for a minute. <laughs> First of all, I told you that even the last people here were here early. Uh, you know, he... He went to Turks and Caicos this winter for a nice vacation. That is extremely random. He, uh... But not so random because today, today, I read a voiceover script for Turks and Caicos. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I'd have no idea what you just even said, but how did that work out? I just legitimately ended that a couple of hours ago. <laughs> I heard it's lovely. Oh, yeah. He spent the off-season in Chicago where his girlfriend top lives. Endless list for you. And did you know that he did not know that there was a lake beside the city of Chicago or a river that ran through the city? Keep in mind, the Guardians played there three times last year. The team stays downtown, pretty close to the lake, pretty close to the river. And also he's 24, 25 years old, so he had ample time to learn that, but just learn that. I don't know, any of this registering for you on the uh yeah no, scale. no i mean i tried really hard i mean did i sell it pretty good did it did it sound no. believable no 
I mean, that's the kind of, of shit that gets pulled on Browns 24-7 to bleed every single topic you can. So I thought I tried. I tried. All right, I've got another one. Okay. A real one. This is All right, Shane Bieber. Oh, Shane Bieber. We know last season. Very important. It's all about trying to stay healthy. Yes. Make sure he didn't fall into any bad habits with his shoulder. He felt so good all offseason. Oh, boy. He started his throwing program oh, no. a week or two after the season ended. He threw 200 oh, no. innings, made two playoff starts, and then by early November, he was back at it. Felt like he knew how to manage things well, was on a good program. One problem. Mm. Got married. Selfish. Got married the day of Guards Fest. Otherwise, I think you have a good feeling he would have joined us for our live podcasts at the event. But we'll never know. A couple days after the, the wedding, went on his honeymoon to the Caribbean. So you might be thinking, well, you're on this throwing program. What do you do? Spring training is only a few mm. weeks away. He brought his glove. He brought a ball. He found some locals, and he played catch. I'm picturing that like you're you're asking somebody to take the picture. Oh, you've all been there. You're standing somewhere very picturesque, and someone says, "Hey," hands you their phone. Uh, you mind taking that photo for me? No, for Bieber, it's hey. Uh, you mind catching this 88 mile per hour slider? <laughs> <laughs> so Here it comes. So one of their servers was from Panama and played in like some semi-pro league there, recognized him and said, oh, like, can we play catch? Like, my son will get such a big kick out of it. He's a big fan. And he's like, yeah, I, like, I need to play catch. Actually, it's yes. part of my program. <laughs> so there you go. Where does that rate? I, I'll say... You're burying the biggest part of this story here. This dude threw and played catch and continued his throwing program on his honeymoon and <laughs> lived to tell the tale. What? I think that's the most shocking thing at all, that he actually was able to return having spent, devoted anything other than to just the romance that was between him and his, his now wife. Ah, uh, but TJ, how can you not be romantic about baseball? <laughs> okay, sure. Well, I, I wonder how that went over. Hey, hey honey, hey, uh, you know, just, uh, I know you're just enjoying just laying out here and having some fun, but uh, I need to go play catch with our server. <laughs> okay, this is important. I'll tell you why. This is a man who had to, much like Josh Naylor, had to spend devote a part of his past off season to just being healthy. And I think that might have been a, one of the many factors in why the velocity was what it was, especially early in the year. And he had to kind of learn how to adapt and got some of his velocity back. And by the end of the year, he was still fantastic. Numbers look great. But this is a guy that, unlike last offseason, could be devoted to Focusing specifically on maybe it's regaining some velocity or if he wants to make tweaks to a certain pitch, to the certain shapings of pitches, to elements of his arsenal. He could spend time doing that instead of just making sure 
he was healthy. Now, we could say it was important that he got back at the end of 21 and made his, was it one start, two starts, whatever. He came back and like he made an appearance. Yeah, it was, it was not very much. But he got back and said, okay, that positioned him to have a normal offseason. But he was not going to have a normal offseason. Not coming off of the way things went in 21. So he had to make sure he was completely healthy before he could do anything this past offseason. This most recent one, if he feels good, he's entering the throwing program early, that means he got to devote time to just making himself better as opposed to focusing on health. So that's why, for the best pitcher on this team, that's not a 3 out of 10. That's like an 8 out of 10 in my book. Whoa. All right. Okay, well then, how about this one? That's it? You don't have anything else to add? Not going to agree or disagree? Your goal in this podcast is to make everything sound like it's pivotal news. And it's hard to even think of like anything to use as an example here. All right. Now, Mr. The, the sun is going to explode tomorrow isn't going to tell me that well, we, we don't know. We don't know until he steps on a mound. It depends. It depends. <laughs> How about right, Gabriel Arias? Gabriel Arias is going to play some outfield. Dun, dun, dun. Who cares? When have have I heard that before about a shortstop playing some outfield? I think our our pal Justin Lotta may have made a a good note about the throwing arm makes it so he can play anywhere in the outfield. Ahmed Rosario might have had the arm strength for it, but as he talked about, and I think we even spent time on this show talking about there's a different arm slot for when you're playing infield compared to outfield. When you're in the outfield, you're concerned about getting carry on your throw. You want to backspin a little bit better. You want to pull the Michael Brantley here, be accurate, and put some backspin on the ball to keep it elevated. For infielders, you're, you're focused on quick release. You're trying to get it accurately, but you need to get it there on time, and maybe you're not as concerned with backspin keeping the ball in the air as long as possible. So there's there's elements of... Of differences between infield and outfield, even if you have a good arm, Arias has the arm strength to play outfield. To me, it screams more. This is a guy they're they're searching for any way to get him on the big league roster to, to begin the season. Isn't that kind of what you read into that? Yeah, I, I mean, I think I hear people all the time say, oh, Arias needs to be playing every day. Freeman needs to be playing every day. Hello? Their second baseman, shortstop, and third baseman play every single day. They don't rest. So where are these guys going to get at bats? You're not sending both of them to AAA because Brian Rocchio is there. And Jose Tena and Angel Martinez are going to be there at some point. So you have to, like, somehow these these those two guys are going to be your utility infielders this season at worst. But a utility infielder on this team is just not that critical of a role. So does that mean he's going to start 50 games in the outfield? No, because it's not like there's a ton of opportunity out there either. But it's just a way for him to have a chance. Because if he plays twice a week and he hits really well and he defends wherever he's playing then they'll seek more opportunities for him. But at least at the beginning of the year, at the outset, where is he going to play? 
I mean, you're going to have Quan, Straw, yeah. and Gonzalez in the outfield, and Brennan is right there in the pecking order too. So it's not like you need a platoon partner out there or something. There's just and and they want Naylor to at least be an option. So yeah. There's just not a lot of opportunity, period, on this roster. I think that speaks to why there's not much to talk about because there's not much up for grabs. So it's their message truly from top to bottom in the organization. They have they tell guys this in the low levels. I mean, Angel Martinez, like, go look. He played a lot of second base last year. He's made himself a viable third base option because they've told him. Quickest way to the majors is to not limit yourself to one spot. So if you're okay with it, if you're willing to learn and maybe go, go through some growing pains, we'll bounce you around a little bit. I think that's what well, they're doing here. You know what doesn't happen? You ever just make it through the season with your nine intact. Sure. That never happens. So here, if you think about it this way, let's say Andre Semenez has to go on the injured list, and it's just even a short stint. But if you're ready to go, you have proven you can't play second base and you're hitting, guess who's right there to fill in that spot? It could very Joe well be England. the case. <laughs> it could very well be the case in left field and right field. And if you are playing two times a week and you are hitting, who's going to get that opportunity if you've proven, proven you can play those other positions? I mean, there's a perfect example of this. 2016, Michael Brantley goes down. Yeah. And what middle infielder went out to left field? And blossomed as a big leaguer. Not Marlon Bird. <laughs> Have you found him in progressive field yet? In all your no. trips there with uh, with Jeremy Fedor looking at the stuff hidden in cobwebs and back closets. He was, he was a popular topic of conversation this week, though. I was talking to some clubhouse attendants about Marlon Bird, and even they had no idea what happened. I think one of the clubbies saw him leaving the locker room that night and said to another clubby, uh, Marlon just left with a bag packed. I don't understand why it's like a Tuesday night and we're playing at home again tomorrow. Uh, this doesn't make any sense. They're like, what are you talking about? And then the next day we learned what went down. Nobody ever saw him again. It's just, the, the point here is none of this ever just plays out the way that you think it is. Sure. Even with Jose. All of those, all that time spent with Milsey manning the left field wall. <laughs> like, did that lead to anything? It led to him eventually getting an opportunity because the bat was in the lineup enough that he proved that he needed to be playing somewhere. And then when they later in the season, when they kicked a rebate to the curb, who stepped in to play third base, who was already playing third base a lot at that time anyway, Ramirez, because he he was playing elsewhere and he was playing enough that he got more and more opportunity. I mean, this this team loves the versatility, but also on the bench, it's going to be an easy way to get yourself on the big league roster if you've proven you can play everywhere. And you're a right-handed hitter, so you offer something different than, you know, Jimenez, you want to sit him against a tough lefty, and the next day you want to sit Quan against another lefty. I mean, you can bounce him around. It doesn't have to be a strict platoon, but there are other places that maybe you could get his bat on the line. Naylor needs a blow, so, you, you know, you want to play Arias at first base. He played first base in the playoffs. Makes a ton of sense. I, I don't know. But there's what is there for him to prove at AAA? What can he do at AAA to show that he deserves a big league opportunity? Anything? No. There are no questions about his defense. It's it's the bat. 
but how do you prove you're a capable major league hitter without consistent opportunities? It's, I mean, this is, this is why teams don't rebuild and contend at the same time. Because it's, it's hard. You only have a finite number of plate appearances you can hand out. And yes, injuries happen, regression happens, but the easiest way to find out about a player, like, I'm pretty sure the Reds are going to get a good handle on Will Benson's potential this season because they can give him run. And you can learn. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't matter because you weren't going anywhere anyway. That's not the case here. We'll see. We'll see where that ends up. I think because of the the path that that could create for him to open camp with the big league team, I'm going to put that at around a 6 out of 10. 6 out of 10 on the scale. You're supposed to make everything a 9. I'm sorry. I mean, Arias could be your Ramirez this year. Mm. He could be your Ramirez. So you need to get this guy on the big league roster. And you need to clear space for other people to play at AAA, and he's not going to prove anything at AAA. Even if it's like, for him, the thing that I question the most, plate discipline, maybe. Can can he just uh, not be Javi Baez for five seconds? Is he going to teach us that at AAA? I, I, I don't think so. I mean, he could, but I don't, I don't know that that means he's going to come up to the big leagues and maintain the same level of plate discipline. He's got to prove whether you know, him or Freeman or any of these guys can can help even in a semi, in not an everyday role, but a semi everyday role. You know, could he be, could he be like a Mike Avila's type for this team? Hmm. We know how the manager loved those types. Nine out of ten. That's a big deal. Him playing outfield. I will say because Tito's even said you know the reason you often see that. Utility type guy who can play not just middle infield but the outfield too. It's a lot of times it's a veteran because young players don't necessarily embrace that role. They want to be an everyday player at position X. And also, if you're the team, you know, if you have a prospect you like, you again, you want to get them regular playing time. So Avilas popped into my mind immediately when he said that because you, know, you can trust that the veteran will go out and be prepared to give 100% at whatever position you put him at whenever you call upon them. Might be a little tougher to do with someone who's 23. All right. But that but that's their entire organization. Yeah. <laughs> They're not giving a 40-man spot to a 32-year-old veteran here. I don't think. I was trying to figure out who's in the best shape of their life. I I I don't I don't know. I can never tell with Josh Naylor because he always wears big sweatshirts and baggy pants and a winter cap. He wears that in February when it's 38 degrees in the morning and he wears that in August during BP when it's 88 degrees. So I don't know. I wanted to say that he maybe looked like he slimmed down a little bit, but I'm I'm guessing. And I feel like like there was no one who like really stood out. But the manager looks good. Seems healthy. 
tan. He's been in a good mood. I mean, he was named the most handsome manager in the American League, so none of this should be a surprise. As he termed it, I feel less bad than normal. But I can't even give you like a a juicy headline on the best shape of their lives front. <laughs> That's a 10 out of 10, buddy. Oh. That's a 10 out of 10, pal. I'll tell you why. Because if Tito feels good entering the year, this doesn't become like, a, much of last year felt like a, I don't know, this might be it for Tito. This might be it. And coming into this year, I mean, everything went well, so it's like, okay, this energized him, but man, expecting him to stick around for an, another year beyond 23? I don't know. Tito comes to camp, looks good, feels good, feels like 10 years younger than he's felt the last couple of seasons. I don't know if 23 is the last ride. I don't I think you could you could mm. honestly paint a picture of him being around in 24. Being around, I don't know, 20 2025. Uh, again, the earth could explode by then. But I don't feel like this is 2023 last it last ride for Tito or anything like that. I, I can see a uh, scenario where 24 is absolutely on the table for him to continue managing. So that's a 10 out of 10 that he's feeling good. Okay. Dynamite. I, Thanks. I I can't reveal the content of the conversation yet because I'm saving it for a feature I've been working on for a while, but I I'll give this little tease. My our first meeting with him this spring. Like he shouted at me pretty good. Mm. that doesn't happen very often this was like passionate shouting not like like he wasn't let me rephrase that he wasn't like yelling but it was like aggressive stern almost like chastising so for him to do that I think early in camp I think that's another indicator that he's got that energy he's got his mojo back he was not happy with me Something I did, but I can share more about that later on in the spring. You found out about that garbage can in Detroit, huh? What? Oh, <laughs> or Chicago. Was it Chicago. Yeah, okay. Found out about it. I think you watched it. <laughs> I, oh, have, we, the, have we done this story on the podcast? The I don't exploits know I, of Zach's younger days. I don't know I don't if we've know. ever told this story. I don't know that we want to do it on a YouTube episode. <laughs> Are you saying that people should come join the Patreon where you will inevitably share that story? I'd rather stick that behind the paywall. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. I mean, <laughs> there's so little going on in camp that this is what I got left. Cody Morris, he's got a sore lat. It's going to be brought along slowly. And Eniel De Los Santos tweaked his hamstring, but I think he's going to be fine. Mike Zanino will start the Cactus League opener if, if all goes well this week. So he's. Yeah, well, you're going through these really fast. I mean, do, do any of these register? Do you want to combine uh, them into one? You're talking about two guys that were on my opening day bullpen. So, yeah. yeah. At least one of them still should be. Yeah, these are, these are, this is huge news. Huge news. And also. The catcher that, oh, I don't know, was coming off of off, well, not off season, in season surgery, but off season preparing for the year 
is ready to go. The Cactus League opener. Again, important. This is the dude they signed to be the catcher, to be the guy that's playing in front of Bo Naylor for at least a little while, if not more. This was their answer to, we got no offense from this spot for years now. That's huge. How is that not huge for him starting the Cactus League opener? Because if he started the third game in the Cactus League, it wouldn't have made a difference. It's it's a huge thing. I'd see if it was the third game, you know what we'd do? We'd do the same thing they were doing when they were pulling the Kluber's going to start game two stuff. Oh, Kluber's going to start two because, you know, uh, uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. Zanino's starting the third game, not the first one, huh? So he needed an extra two days coming off of that offseason. Something's not smelling right here. But all of those concerns put to rest when that guy starts game one. All right. You sad about Cody Morris? Or... just delayed? Obviously, they want to get him healthy. And they need him to show he can be reliable, have availability. But I think they're leaning toward maybe like a multi-inning relief role for him. And that's that's intriguing to me. Same with Tuki Toussaint, by the way. You seem convinced that he's not going to be in the mix for the opening day bullpen. Uh, Toussaint, I mean. I don't know. I don't think there's a clear leader. I will say the impression I got was, you know, I, I initially, I think in my projection like a month ago, said Tim Heron, just because he's the only guy on the 40 men that Jason Billis, who they claimed from the White Sox, they're going to use him as a reliever. They like his stuff. He's on the 40 man now. Maybe he's got a chance. Based on talking to Heron and talking to Tito about Heron, I kind of got the impression that maybe he's going to start in AAA and um, he'll certainly be an option at some point this year. I don't know. I don't think there's a real front runner there. So you can look at the non-roster guys, and there's two guys named Caleb. There's Philip Deal, who's a smaller guy, a lefty. Dustin Knight has a little bit of major league experience. Michael Kelly pitched for the Phillies last year. Super interesting story. Uh, you can read more on the Athletic. I did a, well, I did a. There's insight on all 58 guys in big league camp. So go read those 6,000 words. But Michael Kelly's bit is really interesting because he was a comp round pick in 2011 took till 2022 to make the majors and that's after 2019 he was pitching in the independent league 2020 COVID he thought his career was over he's just coaching baseball at that point next thing you know he's pitching for a team that ends up going to the world series so he like maybe him just because I don't know I he pitched he made four appearances last year like i i don't think there's a clear front runner for that last bullpen spot and that's why i'm not rushing to write off cody morris or toussaint or anyone but you also know that like and tito said this this week what are you gonna do take the guy who has the best era over their five appearances in spring training no so it's it's more so just like who is throwing the ball the best on the field backfield or in the bullpen. And 
I mean, it also comes down too. to like who you know maybe you take player a even though you're more excited about player b because player b you know is willing to go to columbus and keep working at stuff until you call him up so that plays a role in this too. That's why it's it's really hard to handicap. Um. So I I really don't think there's a front runner. I don't I don't know. Yeah, maintaining a level of depth is always on their mind too. A guy has an option, and then the guy that they might have to lose, a non roster guy that's throwing really well or has impressed them. It, there's always those cases where at the beginning of camp you're not thinking of a guy, and by the end of camp you look and they're one of the last two three guys remaining. You go, oh, oh, crap, that guy has a legitimate shot to make this team. Or I guess you could say they're doing him a favor by keeping him around and giving him a look, and then they'd still need the innings. I don't know. It, it can get complicated. Pilkington last year. More importantly, I think that's the right move with Morris, putting him in that multi-inning sort of role. And I say that not, not saying that I wouldn't be interested in him starting games, but I think he could help more if he's in the big league bullpen and healthy. You don't need him to be stretched out at this point. You've got so many arms at double A AA and triple A that you need to slate innings for them too. So of all the arms that could help you at the big league level and could still clear the path for other of some of your depth and some of your actual prospects, to me, it makes the most sense for him to be in that big league bullpen. And he's you know, a little bit older now, so it's not like he's this very super young prospect. You, you want to get him up here. You want to start pitching him. He might have even been here sooner, if not for his own you know, um, limitations that kept him from, from achieving that. So I just think that the, this makes total sense for him to be in that multi-inning role. And as Cal Quantrill showed us a couple of years ago, even being in that role doesn't mean that, that he can't be stretched back out to be a stutter. It's going to take mm-hmm. three, four outings. But if you get down to it and you really want him to eventually get an opportunity, it's not, it's not the roadblock that you can't overcome if he's in the, the bullpen. If he's throwing well and the police sack sucks, you want to make that flip and you think Morris is the guy, you can do that. It, it, it's not, not out of the question. Yeah, I mean, he might be the best option. You just, part of it depends on how long he's out right now. And maybe you want to start him in AAA anyway just to be able to protect him a little more early on so that there's a better chance he's healthy and thriving later in the season when you really need him. Toussaint's interesting too. I just, you know, Mm -hmm. I I don't know that I want to call him a project necessarily because he's pitched in the big leagues for each of the last five seasons, but you know, maybe there's some things they want to specifically implement with him. Mm-hmm. Maybe that leads to him starting in AAA too, if he's open to it. So I, there's a lot to juggle there and I don't, that that's one of the more, I guess, interesting storylines. It's again, not the most fascinating thing in the universe. Nine out of 10. Though you can try to spin it that way, but nine out of 10. Um, no I I think it is something to watch I mean there's a pitcher that has talent that hasn't been able to fully unlock it and they're working with the Guardians I'm in I'm into (laughs) that (laughs) I'm interested I would also be interested I know you would be too in saving $20 would you like to know how you could do that yeah of course you would 
You could do that through our new partnership with SeatGeek. Of course, the season's coming up. Zach is getting ready to hand out free beers left and right at the, the ballpark. How are you going to get there? I don't, got, I don't got tickets. How am I going to get to the ballpark for Zach to give me that free beer? I'll tell you how. Fire up the SeatGeek app. Get on there. If you've never purchased from there before, use our code SELBY. SELBY. That's it. That's the code. Your first time, $20 off. Boom. I just, I just made a great summer evening for you. I know it doesn't feel like summer yet. February. Uh, I'm telling you. Get it marked on the calendar now. SeatGeek, get the app and use our code SELBY. We'll take care of it. $20 off. We, we, we found this, this partnership to be beneficial because it helps out our listeners. That's the most important thing. I was looking at different partnerships and things that we could do. I, I liked it because it could help out for those that are hoping to uh, save a little extra money. So code SeatGeek, uh, code SELBY on SeatGeek. And I know everybody in our Discord, all of our listeners... Love when we mention it. So it's, mm, it's, uh, it's their favorite thing. Yeah. I like the way you quickly weaved that in here in the middle of the episode. I would give that a 10 out of 10. <laughs> and uh, be sure to go find our show on YouTube where you can see my cat trying to make an appearance in the background. Do you like my art, by the way? I don't know what he's doing back there. How's your hotel room? How's that treating you? I don't know. I, you know, I, that, Division series against the Yankees. Nobody nobody gives a shit about this, but we're here. Uh, I mean, I, I could not have mentally envisioned a smaller hotel room. And that's New York. But this was like, like it felt like I couldn't stretch my arms out. Like there wasn't enough room to do that. And then you had the rain out. And I, I think I was there like, it felt like I was there forever. I think I was there for a full week and it was just way too small of a room. And then I accidentally ordered a catering tray from a restaurant one night oh, and wait, I couldn't fit it in my fridge. Wait, Did we talk about all this? No. And How I tried to, shove, <laughs> tried to shove it in my fridge because I had so many leftovers and it spilled everywhere and there was like, oil and grease all over the fridge and the floor oh and God. then the stench that I was stuck with for days. It was a nightmare. How do you accidentally <laughs> order a catering I tray? Did they show was... up like where where's the party at? <laughs> <laughs> Just sick. So like Michael Scott in his hotel room with the white. <laughs> Shot of Midori perhaps. So I like I don't think it can be worse than that, but there's a long time to spend in a hotel, and I don't have a kitchen or like a second room this year, and I normally do, so I'm starting to go a little stir crazy already. Oh no, I don't know, poor guy. Well, maybe you will be taking comfort in the Discord where all of our listeners gather to talk about everything from how much they love our partnerships to uh, the rest of the, the craziness that happens in a, a Guardians offseason and now spring training and everyone in there is fired up. And every day, the, the thing I love is every day you can go in there and the people are discussing with without you or I part of it. That's the other thing that I like. It's just its own thing, its own community. They're discussing just ran, their own random topics. And sometimes we join in, sometimes we just like to sit and watch. This past one, wait, that sounded weird. This past one, uh, that I really enjoyed came from Big Tears three-time champ. And by the way, if you want to get into the Discord, you know how they do that, Zach. 
go to Discord. <laughs> no, join our Patreon, right? Yep. Patreon.com slash Selby is Godcast. And he was asking with Wait, all what, of what the, is he the three time champion of? I, I, of? Of big tears. I don't know. Don't ask me. I'm not him. I know you like are six people in the Discord. This is not me. This is not you, apparently, either. But Big Father Tears Chungus Army, stand up. <laughs> Big Tears three-time champ had posed a question about announcers because there's this talk of valleys and whether Major League Baseball is going to need to step in and what that's going to look like. I don't think that would, even if Major League Baseball does step in, it's not leading to like big, like a whole new broadcast team. And none of that's happening. But he did pose the question of, you know, what would the best broadcast team look like? Someone suggested you or I and both of us forming the team. No? Not into it? Oh, we would be fired pretty quick. <laughs> if, it, if it's on the internet, whatever. We can just say whatever the hell we want. Until Tito's yelling at you, apparently. It did lead me to an interesting thought that I had considered a couple of days ago. And so I thought this was fit, a fitting transition into the question I have for you. What announcer that isn't known for baseball or hasn't done baseball in a while or just you've never heard do the sport of baseball, would you like to hear announce baseball games? Bill Walton. (laughs) (laughs) Who Corey Kluber has got this massive. That's like a Harry Carey. I don't know where that's going. Bill Walton was actually a topic of discussion Sunday morning with Tito. I don't think I can tell the story he told about him. But no, I So are we talking play by play? Yeah. I mean you can if you want to have a team put just put together, sure, but I want the color commentator to just be someone who enjoys the sport. Can we get someone who resembles Tony Romo during Tony Romo's first year on the job? Can we get someone who just, you can feel the passion they have for the game? Oh, I thought that was A-Rod for five minutes, and then <laughs> but he I don't, started talking more, and it was yeah. not A-Rod. I don't know who that is, so I'm not going to comment on that part. Chris you know, Jimenez. Po- <laughs> yeah, hey. I don't know if, I don't know if you'd ever be able to go to commercial break, but um, for play-by-play... Say what you want about Joe Buck. But I always felt like him being on the call made it feel a little more important than just your typical Saturday game on Fox or whatever. I mean, like when I was a kid, the nostalgia factor in me, like I loved when Bob Costas was doing a game. I got excited when it was announced he was doing the Guardians-Yankees series I didn't get to listen to him at all. Didn't sound like it went very well. So I don't think that's my answer. But in this, I don't know Joe Davis. It felt kind of like vanilla and like, I don't know. Didn't just didn't feel that important when he was on the call for the World Series for the first time. I really like Ian Eagle. I don't know that he's ever done baseball. I'm pretty sure he could announce a chicken wing eating competition. I'd be hooked. Yeah, I don't think he has. I did a quick search because he was among the the people that I thought of. You know, I 
I've really enjoyed Brian Anderson, who's gotten more and more assignments over the years. And he's the Brewers guy. I know he's done, I think, TBS playoff games. I think he's did the NBA All-Star game over the weekend. You're just wanting a Brian Anderson, Brian Anderson booth, aren't you? <laughs> That'd be interesting. I just, I don't know. I, I wish there could be like a, I, we spend so much time. I mean, it's insane. NFL announcers like Joe Buck and got what? Something insane, like 15 million a year to go to do Monday Night Football, which is, you call 18 games a year and that's it? Like, it's it's nuts. But it, like, we we all make such a big deal out of Tony Romo and Greg Olson and, you know, is Tom Brady going to start doing games in a year? And I don't know. Then baseball is just like, yeah, we'll take whoever's left and we'll throw them in the booth. And those are our teams. I don't know. I just, I feel like it would be cool if baseball had one of the marquee names and you knew you had that person to call the next 30 World Series. Like, I mean, this is a good time to show respects for Tim McCarver, who a lot of times we... We poke fun at that Family Guy clip that pokes fun at him. Um, but like, I grew up on Joe Buck and Tim McCarver calling the World Series. And maybe they weren't the best crew of all time, but they were pretty good. It felt important listening yeah. to that. It felt super important. What What you were about to watch really mattered. And people nationally knew who those guys were. Now, I think part of it is just, you said it, we grew up on that. Mm-hmm. So we look fondly on these guys. That Maybe if we were growing up now, there are a number of announcers that may gain that level of notoriety. Yeah, if we, if we were growing up today. I think we have a tendency to just look everything through the, the past. Uh, the one that I would, uh, I'd really love to hear is Kevin Harlan. I think mm-hmm. that dude sounds amazing. Basketball and football, that dude's always amazing. I think he's got very good comedic timing on certain things. I even sat there and listened to hours and hours here recently. I, I can tell you at one point I did because I would, when I was a, a, a board operator at WKNR, I'd sit there and do those like Sunday night games and you just hear that for three hours as the background as you're eating some ramen noodles. But that that dude, I, I could listen to him call anything and it's it's fun. I enjoy it. He's got good energy, but it's not always just like screaming at you. I always go back to the LeBron James call, the no regard for human life. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite calls of all time. So I would love to hear him call a Jose Ramirez bomb. That would be fun. I would would enjoy that a lot. I don't know how it would work. I don't know if he's ever done this. But we talk about baseball needs more over-the-top everything, right? We want more bat flips. We want more trash talk. We want more celebrating. Throw Gus Johnson in the booth. You want to hear a home run call? I mean, you might, he might be louder than Hammy. I would love to hear that. I don't know if you want to hear that for 162 consecutive days. Might be a lot. But if you threw him, like I, I would, I just want to know what that sounds like. Him calling a game. Anytime there is an announcer that may just lose, in in addition to his mind, but his voice too, throughout the 
the end of the broadcast. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. Uh, so I, I so Ein Eagle, I thought of him. I thought of Gus Johnson. The one Kevin Harlan was the one that I thought of. Any of mm-hmm. those would be fun. If you have one that now that you're thinking of it, jump into the YouTube comments, jump into the Discord, leave us a reaction on Twitter, however you want to react to it. But I would be interested, as I've thought about it today, I'm sure that there are so many others that would make great test cases of what they could do for another sport. And 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 the unfortunate thing here is kind of to your point, I was thinking of, is there anybody in baseball that somebody would want to hear call another sport? And no one hmm. immediately came to mind. Not from a national perspective. Now, I've heard like, like Hammy, I've heard him call basketball games before. Mm-hmm. It, it always sounds a little bit weird to me because you're just so used to the baseball soundtrack. But you know, Hammy does a great job when he would call basketball games in the past. You know, even here locally, Al Palowski, we've heard him do baseball. We've heard him do basketball. But as far as like national guys, is there anybody that would... Like other sport, well, I guess Joe Buck. <laughs> Joe Buck was called away to do football. But that's the thing is like baseball announcers are just, they do other things. And that it feels like baseball second. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like Jason Benetti is, has quickly become one of the more respected, renowned play-by-play guys, but yeah, he does White Sox games, but when it's football season and basketball season, does the, those get his attention first? There's a lot of national stuff. So I, I don't know. I I want to mention John Miller, too. You know, we grew up on him on Sunday Night Baseball. Him and Joe Morgan. Say what you want about Joe Morgan. I thought that was a great booth. Joe Morgan was with Bob Costas when World Series games were on NBC back in the day, too. I don't know. I don't want to be all old man goes on a soapbox and it was better in my day. But I feel like we had it pretty good as kids. Better in your day. Yeah, (laughs) we did. We did. Uh, And for me, I'm just. I, I want I want to return to those days, and I'm just trying to think of uh, ways that we could recapture that, even if it's in fantasy questions that will never happen. It's been a while since I've asked you this, but uh, are you ready for this? And now it's time for the random Cleveland used to play here guy of the day. Well, are you? Dave Hollins. <laughs> if you nailed it without me even giving a single clue, we'd be done. This would this would be retired. This is actually a good time for me to mention this. Uh, loyal follower, listener, reader, Steve sent me an email. Uh, I think with 40 days remaining until opening day, he created for his friends... Essentially, what is an advent calendar? And every day, they have revealed to them a new random Cleveland player. Oh my God, that's fantastic. And so he sent it to me all as one, so I got to see the whole list. And even I was like, oh my God, I totally forgot about that person. Are you sure they haven't been mentioned on a segment of this show? It's rare, but there are a couple. 
Okay, well, let's see if this one has. It's, we always run the risk. This is this show has been going on since 2018, so there's a 2017. But who's we, counting? I mean, we've done it's only this your podcast. Oh, 17, 17. I always forget your first year at the athletic. 17. Okay, 2017. Oh, that's right. I joined the beat and they never lost the game. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, I started twenty two and zero. You didn't let anyone forget about it either. This man finished his career with the Cleveland Indians at the two thousand nine season with the Cleveland Indians. Actually, don't know. I'm gonna have to check on the game log to see if that was before or after his time in Cleveland. He also spent parts of that season with the Chicago Cubs. Uh, Eleven games with Cleveland in two thousand nine. Posted a five forty ERA. Didn't start any games. These were all in relief. Pitched eight, or excuse me, 11 and two-thirds innings. Eight hits, seven runs allowed. Allowed a pair of home runs. Walked 12. Struck out nine. Lefty? He was a right-handed pitcher. Just as I thought. And this was the end of his big league career. Clint Bartosh. No. The final game of his big league career Cliff was a... Bartosh? Clint Bartosh? Clint Bartosh? What was his name? Uh, are we talking about Hawkeye from the Avengers? Cliff. Cliff Bartosh. The final game of his big league career, the Indians lost to the Cubs 8-7. to So he pitched against his former team? Against his former team. That was on June 19th, 2009. How'd he do? In that game, he took the loss in his final oh. big league appearance on a mound. Doubly painful. Mm. So he actually had a pretty lengthy big league career, about 10 years. Started with Oakland in 1999. Uh, he put together a stretch of one, two, three... Four, five, six, six seasons. Six seasons of at least 65 games, uh, including his best Dan season, which Miscelli? came with... No. His best season came in 2002 with the Milwaukee Brewers. 76 games, 299 ERA, 81 and a third innings. Eight career saves, got one with Cleveland. His career high was five with Milwaukee in 2002. Pitched How'd with they Oakland, acquire him? Milwaukee... The White Sox, the Diamondbacks, the Yankees, Colorado, the Cubs, and Cleveland. He was acquired by the Cleveland Indians, signed as a free agent after he was released by the Chicago Cubs. Dave Malicki? No. No. In his career, he was traded for Jason Marquis. Hmm. He was traded by the Diamondbacks with Alberto Gonzalez, Stephen Jackson, and... Ross Ohlendorf for Randy Johnson. He was once traded in a deal for Orlando Hernandez and Chris Young that also also featured Javier Vasquez. He was also involved in a Scott Pedsednik trade with Carlos Lee involved. So this dude was part of some Hmm. decent trades. His cousin, apparently his cousin, this is according to Wikipedia, also played for the Indians at one point. Same last name. (sighs) 
I feel like I've had a pretty strong yeah. showing in this game recently. Not today. This is, this is really eating at me. In the words of Azdrubal Cabrera, not today. <laughs> I don't know if there's any other hints I could give you. Um, made his debut at the age of 24. He was 34 when he I was paying a ton of Cleveland. attention to that team that summer of 2009, man. I don't know. Uh, his brother would have played with Cleveland in the 19... Oh, what year? Oh, 1996. Brother or with Cleveland. cousin? Cousin, sorry. His cousin would have played with Cleveland in 1996. Involved in another big trade. Okay. I want to give you more hints. Uh, this one might give it away, though. Vizcaino? That's a last name. <laughs> so the cousin would be Jose Vizcaino. Right. Do you remember the pitcher? I mean, there was Luis Vizcaino. And this would be Luis Vizcaino. He pitched for Cleveland? <laughs> yes. He pitched. He, he Wasn't he the losing pitcher in the bug game? Uh, let's see. And I was also looking. Kerry Wood blew a save in that final Vizcaino game. Didn't we just do a show about that? <laughs> I, yeah. I, I had no idea he pitched in Cleveland. Didn't we just do a show about up. that? We might have. Uh, let's see. He um, pitched in a little game in 2007. The ALDS game, too. One of two postseason games that he ever appeared in. Took the loss in the 11th huh. inning. That same Luis Vizcaino. A couple years later with Cleveland, ending his career. Never knew that. I wouldn't expect you to. You learn something new every episode. But that's why they play the game. All right, that, that's all I got. You take us out. I'll let everybody decide if this podcast episode was a 3 out of 10 or a 9 out of 10. Dangerous game. Just know 3 out of 10 or the equivalent of that in stars when you rate us does not <laughs> earn you a free beer. <laughs> we'll see you later this week over at Patreon where the show I hope is going to be better. Better.